Hey everyone, it's Robert Poole with the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. Today I want to talk about the subject of in-person and virtual appointments. You know, no matter how good you are at getting an appointment with a decision maker, it means nothing if you don't handle it, right? Let's get started. Do you have a small business that sells to other businesses? If so, you probably know that there are plenty of resources for companies that market to consumers or companies that sell to large and Fortune 500 type companies. But what about the small businesses in the middle who sell to other companies? Where do we go to get answers? How do we grow our company consistently while still keeping our sanity? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who are willing to settle for just a nine-to-five job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Hey, everyone. I hope you're having a fantastic day today. In the last episode, we talked about dealing with the, quote, haters and the jerks that we all encounter in business and what to do about it. It was uh, worth a listen if you missed it. Today, I want to talk about what happens after we get an appointment set with the prospect, whether that's in person or virtual, and you know how we conduct that appointment for maximum effectiveness and how to use it to move the sale forward. But let's first uh, take a step back and talk about appointments in general and sort of the philosophy behind it. You know, we're uh, in my company, Sales Doubles, in the business of cold calling and setting appointments and generating leads for our clients uh, in a variety of industries. And, you know, the, the common thing that, that I think a lot of the clients that we run into is they really misunderstand, the, you know, the value behind leads and, and they get over-focused on appointments. Uh, and appointments in themselves really mean nothing. Uh, what you're looking for is a good quality prospect whether that's somebody that you're corresponding with via email, whether you're talking to them on the phone, or whether you're physically meeting them. It doesn't really matter. It's the quality of the prospect, which is what matters. And people get fixated on the whole idea of an in-person appointment, which is the wrong way to approach it. You know, um, but first of all, you know, if you're not doing the selling in your company, you know, I, I understand, um, you know, I personally don't do a lot of the selling anymore in my company, but, you know, just hang with me on this because this episode is still relevant to you. For a couple of reasons. Um, first, you know, you need to be able to teach your salespeople, you know, how to do some of this stuff. Uh, they're going to look to you as the leader and you need to be able to spot, you know, problems they have and get an idea of what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And you know, so you can help them. And, you know, let's face it, we're all actually selling. You just may not realize it. you're selling it to your employees. You're selling it to people you talk to and, you know, just in casual conversation. So you are in sales if you're a business owner and if you're an entrepreneur. So. You know, go back to appointments, you know, appointments are not a panacea, as I said, you know, yes, they indicate a stronger interest than, you know, maybe somebody who says, just send me something, but, you know, not necessarily. So, you know, we talked about this, I think early on um, in this podcast about, you know, the different types of uh, leads that you'll get anywhere from a hot lead that's an appointment to one that doesn't appear so hot, but you never really know what you're going to find out, uh, you know, when you do it and, you know, who is the decision maker actually connected to? you know, what other businesses they have and so on. So you might look at uh, a lead or an appointment and say, oh, Jesus, business is way too small or, you know, I don't want to waste my time with them because they don't seem to be, you know, big time or whatever the reason is that it's turning you off. And uh, think about, you know, the other aspects of it, because like I said, I've run into so many situations over the years with our company where, you know, you kind of feel like you're prejudging somebody and you find out later, wow, you know, this is, this person has all the right connections and everything else. And this is really going to, work out both are good for both parties, you know? So, you know, not only, you know, don't prejudge, you know, leads or appointments, but, you know, don't force it. You know, the, in our business, uh, you know, we 
uh, are in the you know appointment setting and lead generation business, as I said, for our clients. And you know there are a lot of our competitors who you know offer things like uh, pay for appointment. Uh, you know they'll say you know we'll charge you fifty dollars for every appointment we set, for instance. Very very common, like in the commercial insurance industry or insurance in general. Uh, and you see that. And from our philosophy from day one is that's a, a major mistake, and because it puts the incentive on the wrong um, motive there. I mean, um, the reason we pay our cold callers hourly, you know, with occasional bonuses is because of, we don't want them to, you know, beat somebody up just to get in the door for an appointment. I mean, who really wants to go out on an appointment with a prospect isn't interested, they don't show up or, you know, has no idea who you are. Uh, I mean, let's face it, a, a skilled cold caller can get an appointment with just about anybody. I mean, some people will agree to when we just get the the person off the phone. So don't get stuck on this idea that, you know, wow, an appointment's worth, you know, $50 or $100 to me, you know. Uh, you know, really, again, depends on the quality. I remember years ago uh, when I was um, working at, at Merrill Lynch as a stockbroker in the, the late 90s, I think it was, um, you know, I was cold calling and, uh, and then I, you know, sometimes you get walk-in business and that sort of thing and they'll just assign whoever broker happens to be available and that was me at the time. And um, and sometimes you get phone calls as well. And there's a guy who called in and claimed he had these, um, I think they were like Chinese bonds or something. And, and he claimed it that he had, you know, millions of dollars of these bonds, you know, physically the, the certificates. And, you know, um, I, I set up an appointment with him to go to his house and meet him. And, uh, I got my, my mentor involved who was a more senior broker. We talked to the, um, the big guys back in the trading floor in New York and, they got quotes on some of these bonds and figure out what they're worth and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so we went out there um, and, you know, this sounded like a, you know, a very lucrative deal, you know, great appointment. And, you know, in, I live in Arizona and, and this was in Scottsdale in a very ritzy area where they're very nice houses. And so we pulled up to this house and it was one of those nice houses with, uh, you know, the courtyard in the front uh, with a little um, gate and everything, you know, and, um, we rang the doorbell from the outside and out comes this guy and, you know, older gentleman, you know, with a ponytail. And I'm not kidding you. He was naked except for a very a small, like bikini thong type of thing. And, um, it, you know, first we were like, what, what is this? You know? And, uh, but you know, I was young and my business partner were like, well, we're there, you know? So we went in and, you know, talked to this guy and it was one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had. And, you know, I mean, it was just crazy. It was, you know, in the other room, we could hear some guy, you know, moaning and groaning. And, you know, it, I mean, I have no idea what was going on in that house, but, you know, it turned out this guy was just freaking nuts. And, you know, these quote bonds he had were bogus and everything. But, you know, so that appointment, although it sounded good or whatever, it was a complete sham and an enormous waste of my time, you know, my mentor's time, the people in the company and back in New York, et cetera. And so, you know, just an appointment in itself means nothing. And it really, um, you know, and for the, you know, the opposite of that, you know, and there's, there's really three types of appointments you can get or three types of leads, I should say. There's, you know, a lead that's the, hey, you know, I'm not that interested, but, you know, you can send me your stuff, uh, you know, and follow up or whatever, you know. Then there's the, I'll talk to you, you know, at a specific time, sort of a phone appointment. And then there, there's, uh, okay, yeah, I'll meet with you, you know. And, you know, it appears that everybody wants to all meet with you because that, you know, would appear to be the strong interest. But, you know, you, again, you have to look at what the result is, not the prospect that you were, we're not in the business just to prospect and just to get appointments. You know, that's not the point of it. The point is to close deals. And 
you know, we did a study years ago with a client um, and went through all of the the leads, the phone appointments, and the um, uh, actual in-person appointments that we got him over several years. And he went back and matched those with all the deals that he's closed from those prospects. And it was literally almost uh, evenly divided amongst the three categories, almost, you know, 33% type of thing. It was close. But, you know, when it came down to it is that he got just as many uh, closed deals from the ones that were, quote, send info type of leads, you know, versus the in-person appointments or the phone appointments. So it really had no difference, you know. And again, people get fixated on this idea that the appointment is the ultimate holy grail. And that's for some reason, if it's an in-person appointment or these days, you know, a virtual Zoom appointment or whatever, that, um, you know, that's the that's what we all want. And yes, it's some indicator of interest, but it really, you know, in the long term, it doesn't mean anything. What what matters is the prospect and the the interest of the prospect and what we're trying to do. You know, if uh, somebody cold calls me, you know, um, you know, I'm not necessarily going to agree to a meeting and I'm probably going to act like I'm not interested in whatever it is, even if I'm very interested. And that's just the way I, you know, handle things. And there's a lot of people like me. And so you never know what you're going to get again. The the point is you got to do the the quality prospecting work to get it done. And you have to keep in mind, you know, that even in-person appointments are, you know, a spectrum of interest. You know, it's, you know, people show up, you know, I've had clients over the years show up to a meeting and, you know, they're literally like, you know, they're ready to close the person, ready to sign the deal. And, you know, this person doesn't know them from Adam. They, you know, they have no idea if this person has any interest, if it's an appropriate product or service for them, et cetera, you know, and they're expecting everything to be, you know, just kind of, excuse me, handed it to them. And, you know, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, you're going to have people that are just want to shake your hand and introduce yourself, and you're going to have to go back five or six times before you can actually do some business with them. You know, you're going to have walk into somebody who's like, wow, you landed here on the right day. Let's do this right now and everything in between. You know, so um, appointments in, in general, you have to understand the philosophy behind it before you even get started in the mechanics. So, you know, let's say you've, you've got the right mindset on that. And so how do you actually show up to an appointment? Um, you know, how do you deal with gatekeepers and other people besides the decision maker? One of the things that uh, I've seen over the years, um, and it's just a huge mistake people make, is, you know, people will come in, a salesperson comes in and they talk to a receptionist or an assistant or something like that. And, you know, they think, oh, well, you know, they're just the peon or whatever. They're not who, you know, who I need to impress. And it's like, wow, that is totally backwards. You know, the decision or the, excuse me, the receptionist, the assistant, the other administrative people that are, are in between and are working with the decision maker have way more influence than you will ever have on them. And you have to sell them probably more than you have to sell a decision maker. Because the decision maker is probably going to look to them and say, what did this guy act like? I know when I talk to somebody and, and they leave, I'll ask, you know, the people who work with me, I'll say, hey, you know, what do you think of this guy? Does he seem legit? What, you know, all those kind of things. And so their opinion really matters. So you better treat him with respect and you better win him over. Uh, and that's just a basic thing. And some of these things are, are, you know, if you've been in sales or in business for any length of time, you know, this is all obvious stuff. But I think Sometimes we forget about it. I mean, I do, I do it myself, you know. You get so used to doing things and then you slowly start slipping in some areas, you know, and then, you know, it takes a little wake-up call and reminder how to do some of these things. So, you know, and how do you actually present yourself, you know, from a physical standpoint? You know, a guy, and this is probably 15 years ago, but um, there was a guy that we had set an appointment for. I think it was a business broker somewhere in the Northeast, and um, he went out and showed up to this uh, business owner's place to talk to him about selling their business and blah, blah, blah. 
And somehow the uh, prospect actually got our information, the caller who had cold called him from our company, he figured out how to contact us back somehow, which I'm still not sure how he did that, but he found us and he called us and said, Hey, you know, I just want to let you know that the, the client you're working for uh, that came out, you know, this guy, you know, I appreciate your sending him out, but what a goofball. I mean, he was a nice guy, but you know, he showed up in a blue leisure suit and, you know, and then he went on about this guy and uh, you know, I'm sorry, but we always say, you know, blue leisure syndrome, you know, basically if you go and script the appointment, it's not the fault of our company, which set the, you know, the meeting, so to speak. And even if you set it yourself, but so, I mean, common sense, you know, dress for what they expect you to look like. You know, if you're an accountant and you're talking about accounting services, look like an accountant. What, what are they going to expect you to look like? If you're a financial planner, they're probably going to expect you to wear a tie or look professional. I mean, again, all this should be obvious, but it's, you know, it's a way of prospects expecting a certain image that's in their head. You know, if they're in, you know, if you're in heavy equipment for construction sales, for instance, you know, you're obviously not going to go out there in a suit because that's going to turn off people in that industry because they usually don't dress like that. Uh, and so find out what other people are doing, you know, if you're new to the business, for instance, you know, um, other little things, you know, be five or 10 minutes early. I mean, uh, again, people like me will refuse to see you if you're late and you just lost the deal right there. So that's, you know, physically, you know, a couple tips on sh- when you first show up. And again, these are basic things, but we all need reminders. You know, so let's say you get in with a decision maker, you know, and this is where it comes to, you know, a, a structure. And I think a lot of these things, again, too many salespeople just sort of wing it and they show up and it's just a conversation that goes all over the place with no real intention and no agenda and no specific ideas on, on what they want to accomplish and how they're going to do it. You know, I think, you know, the obvious basic thing is creating that initial rapport and you know, some salespeople do that just by BSing about whatever. And, you know, that's fine. But I think if you can be more intentional with that, it's a lot more effective. The whole NLP and mirroring, mirroring and matching, you know, and that type of thing. Uh, Tony Robbins has got a great program, Mastering Influence, which talks quite a bit about that. And basically all that is, is, you know, how you use your body and how you speak. You know, when it comes to mirroring and matching, you know, for instance, with your body, if they lean forward, you know, in a conversation behind their desk or something, and you're sitting there, you lean forward like they are, you know, I mean, not right away, but after some period of time, you know, 30 seconds or something, they cross their legs, you do the same thing, a little bit delayed, of course. Over time, they subconsciously start getting the impression that you're like them. And, you know, same thing with speech. As I said, we have cold callers that do calling nationwide. And, you know, we do our best not to get a caller who's from the deep south with an accent calling into New York City. I mean, they'll get blown out. Let's face it, you know, people from the South generally speak slower and Northerners sometimes perceive them as stupid because they're speaking slower. And it goes the other way too. Northern speakers, they speak fast and Southerners will look at them and go, they're all just a slick talking a-hole, you know? So you've kind of got to match what, you know, the prospect and, and what they're expecting. And again, be like them, so to speak. If your prospect is speaking fast and, you know, almost angrily or whatever or harsh, use the same speed in the tone. You know, I mean, you may feel stupid, like, you know, um, like they're going to catch me or something, you know, but they won't, you know, it doesn't sound stupid on their end because they'll be like, oh, this person is like me. And I know personally that works very well. And probably the, the single biggest thing, if you get nothing else from this episode that you need to come across as genuine and caring about them and their concerns and not your solution. I mean, if your product or service is not going to help them, then uh, you need to let them know that you're not going to sell it to them. This is where the, you know, the trust comes into it and why it's so important. 
you know, if they trust you, they're much more likely to do business with you. That's, you know, probably 80% of the sale is creating that trust. So, you know, other things you can do to create that initial rapport, observation, you know, what's in their office? What knickknacks do they have around pictures? You know, find some kind of common ground. I mean, do they have a baby Yoda sitting on their desk? I mean, that tells you that, you know, the one they're into Star Wars and probably into superheroes and that type of thing. Um, and so if you happen to have that in common or, you know, can talk about that, then great. And listening, you know, lean forward, nod your head, say, yeah, I hear you, you know, and confirm what they're saying. You know, this is, again, such a basic thing, but people forget about it. You know, smile. I mean, it's disarming. And, you know, you can say anything with a smile, as they say. When it comes to, um, you know, how you come across and everything, all this is predicated on having some confidence and, you know, getting rid of the nervousness. I think that's one of the biggest problems people have in, in, in appointment they get with somebody is that if it's particularly if it's a big deal, they're super nervous and, you know, they don't know what to say and, you know, they, they get freaked out. And I think the main reason for this, and this is something that I've definitely struggled with over the years, particularly when I was younger, but you didn't need to be okay with not doing the deal, whether you're desperate for the sale and trying to pay your mortgage or not. I mean, um, that's, you know, a different problem, but you just cannot be fixated on this, this sale and have too much emotionally invested in it. You know, if you're depending on this deal only, you've got problems for one. And, you know, one of the big problems of salespeople have is that they get into managing leads instead of generating new ones and letting the cream rise to the top. When you've got enough leads in your pipeline, that gives you the confidence and makes your life easier. So you don't feel pressured, you know, to get, you know, you got your one lead you're working uh, type of thing. If that one doesn't work out, then, you know, you're in trouble. So the way to get rid of that and get that confidence is to have more leads. You know, third, I think you need to take that attitude that you're there, you're there to serve and to see if you can help them. And, you know, if you can't, that's fine. You know, and make that clear to them. Get that across that, hey, you know, we don't have to do business. Um, I'm just here to find out if it makes sense for both of us. I mean, the whole process is very simple. You know, you find out a little bit about them, decide if your offering makes sense. And if so, make them an offer. Simple as that. You can't and you shouldn't twist their arm and try to manipulate them into a sale. You know, it's wrong, it's immoral, it's ineffective, and, you know, it's just plain stupid in my mind. You know, a lot of people, salespeople, end up, you know, focusing on ways and, quote, trick the prospect into buying, you know, by either bending the truth, you know, or, you know, even flat out lies I've seen and misrepresentation or just, you know, fancy sales techniques that's kind of, you know, trick the person into signing on the dotted line, so to speak. And, you know, I mean, those are all the reasons that salespeople have a, a bad rap, you know, and like that um, episode I did a while back about salespeople. You know, those are really not the professionals in my mind. So apologies for the abruptness of this, but I'm going to interrupt my thoughts on this one. This episode ended up being much longer than I normally would, but I didn't want to leave out any content. So I'm going to stop at the episode here and I'll pick right up where I left off on the next episode. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show in your favorite podcast platform and give me your honest feedback. Also, I put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years owning a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. 